Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Pav. And I'm Neil. And welcome to the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's start the countdown! The swinging 60s, a groovy time where mop tops collided with peace and love, where music genres and legends were born, where the three-minute pop song was king. It was time when everything was new, fresh and exciting. We are here to bring back that feeling and take a walk down memory lane. Here's Neil with 10 60s songs facts. Thank you very much, Pav. So here we go. The first UK number one of the 1960s was What Do You Want To Make Those Eyes At Me For by Emil Ford and the Checkmates. And the last UK number one of the 1960s was Two Little Boys by Rolf Harris. The most weeks a song spent at number one in the UK was eight, and that accolade was shared by It's Now or Never by Elvis Presley, Wonderful Land by The Shadows, and Sugar Sugar by The Arches. Now it's impossible to talk about 1960s music without mentioning the Beatles. They had 17 UK number one records during the 60s, and arguably the most famous band of all time. Speaking of the, Be- the Beatles, the biggest selling single of the 60s was She Loves You by the Beatles, which sold more than 1.89 million copies. <laughs> the music genre heavy metal is believed to have started in the 1960s. Is she really going out with him? Now, the 1960s saw the start of the Rock Festival as a live venue for bands and artists. Undoubtedly, the most famous of all was Woodstock. The biggest selling album of the 1960s was Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club with an estimated 32 million sales. (laughs) And the Beatles was also the biggest selling band of of the 60s, but the biggest selling solo artist of the 60s was Elvis. He gave them a... That was the last fact, but he gave them a run for money. He was the biggest selling solo artist of that decade. 
Uh, there we oh, are. there we are. Well, we've got a tough, tough road ahead of us, I feel, with this uh, 60s songs. Uh, and joining us, ladies and gentlemen, I've just said as we uh, we went live with him, he has a voice like Dark Treacle on Mahogany. Um, uh, Sounds he, disgusting. He, <laughs> he is the host of one of the, the best podcasts out there, uh, the My Time Capsule podcast. He also is an actor. Um, I mean, you will recognize him. You know this man. Even You might not know his name. You probably will know his name. But the one thing you have to be thankful for is this is the man that brought us the chicken song from the spitting image. So Thank God we're any... not doing songs of the 80s. That's all yeah. I can say. Well, that would have to be number one, wouldn't it? That would not for me, be. no. no. Anything, Just financially. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly financially. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Fenton Stevens is with us. So hello, Michael. Uh, lovely to be with you. Yes, although embarrassingly, I am the man who at the age of 12 bought his very first single, which was Two Little Boys by Rolf Harris. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, what well, a, a huge selling singing. Yeah. Huge, it? huge it selling. When you massive. look at it's funny, isn't it? The huge selling songs of that, that time. Mm. That's the thing. When you're looking through this stuff, you sort of look back at songs and go, what is it about that I really like? And then I saw this, um, and you also go, if I've got to put together the top 10. I better see what other people think. So yeah. I did that thing of Googling, you know, what were the best songs? What were the best selling songs? What do people regard as being the best songs? I didn't agree with any of them. Um, for example, the fourth best, you know, I think it's the fourth or the fifth best selling song of the 1960s was Tears by Ken Dodd. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 And you I sort of go, well, you know, no, no, no. You know, that's not, I'm not putting that fifth. That's my number one, obviously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It yeah, was surprising it. when I was doing the facts and then looking at my own sort of lists. Like you said, the amount of novelty songs in mm-hmm. the 60s, there were a lot. Yeah. You forget how many there really were. Yeah. 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 Ernie. Yeah. 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 I mean, but, and all that, you know, but people like Bernard Cribbins, who, uh, who mm. died this year, you know, sad, but uh, some great songs. I mean, really brilliant. And then you look at, mm. I just the other day in a charity shop walked by and, and went, oh my word, and did the head turn thing. And there was a compilation box set of all the recorded stuff by Peter Sellers. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. wow. I mean, wow. amazing. It was an amazing mm. thing. It's a six disc set. Mm. in this thing and they had the nerve to charge me three pounds for it <laughs> disgusting <laughs> terrible <laughs> terrible <laughs> so, that's the last time i give to their charity yeah. but don't wow, you think, don't you think it's comforting that in say in 2030 somebody's going to go through go past a charity shop and see the 12 inch single of the chicken song yes. and think Michael Fenton Stevens, I'm going to give them the £75 that it'll probably cost in 20. It probably will. I think it probably does on eBay now. The 12-inch single. That was the thing. When that song came out, I was on holiday in Spain. No, in Greece. I was away in a beautiful island in Greece and, you know, terrible. No mobile phones, no internet, nothing like that. And so I hadn't spoken to anybody. And I arrived back to find lots of messages on my newly bought answer phone. You know, I was at the height of height of, of modern technology. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I, I thought, what's going on? There's loads of messages. And I listened to them and thought, oh. And I rang Phil Pope, who'd written the chicken song, and said, what's going on? Everybody keeps saying, you know, well done, congratulations. 
And he said, that, that song that we released from the Spitting Image thing has gone to number one. I went, no way. <laughs> You're joking. <laughs> but he said, yeah, it is number one. So I went to WH Smith and I said, have you got a thing called the Chicken Song? And she went, yeah, it's number one. I went, okay. Could I have it, please? And she said, okay. I said, have you got a 12-inch single? I'll buy that as well. And I bought both of them. So I bought wow. my own number one. Yes. Fair play. Sad, well, I helped. It? I helped. I had the seven inch single of Did that you? one. I yeah. had the yes. twelve inch. Out of the, the pockets, as it was described at the time, from the pockets of babes and children. <laughs> yeah. That's where we got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll probably talk more about that a little bit more. And well, just one podcast. more thing on, on there. I always your... remember, and I don't know whether this is an accolade or a disappointment, but they would never allow us to have it at the uh, school disco. For no. For some reason, they were never allowed to put it on. They said, nope. No, we're not playing. I don't know why people thought it was. Well, it was one of those songs also. The fourth week that it was number one, I listened to, you know, to see if it was still number one, you would listen to the charts on the radio. And I listened to it and I got to the number two and I thought, I said, well, we can't have dropped down that much, so we must still be number one. And he said, and still at number one after four weeks, it's the chicken song. And then they played something else. (sighs) So I think like Frankie Goes to Hollywood, we have that claim to fame of them just not playing it when it was number one. Because they wow. said, I think the DJs all went, we've had enough of this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was nothing like sexual or or, nope. or adult no, about really. it, was it? It, was, it? Might have just yeah. been a stand against the novelty song, like they said. <laughs> might have been. The, maybe they were so sort of fed up of listening. I think like, it was Dog Lovers. It was yeah, the line, climb like, inside yeah. a dog. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they said. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we'll put it to. Yeah. Indeed. Right, but we're here to do our 60s songs. And we were talking before mm. we went live um, about just how hard this was. Mm. And I must admit, the one thing I'm worried about is that I'll, that we'll all do our top tens and then we'll start talking about other songs and think, oh, my God, that was an obvious one that should have been in the top ten. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think really so. Gonna... I can list loads now. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. In fact, yeah. I can mention groups. You can even mention a whole genre of yeah. songs that you mm-hmm. will have missed. Yeah. And I must yeah. admit, on some of the honourable mentions, there were songs that I'd never, I, I've never even heard of as well so i think oh my god there's even songs that i haven't even listened to that could have been could be the greatest yeah. song i've ever heard yeah but, there are i mean i have to say in my top 10 there are songs that on any other list would not be anywhere near the top 10 right and they're for particular reasons that's you know and perf- i think it, the, exactly the, the whole point be, is yeah. that really this is a personal view absolutely it? mm-hmm. not you know a definitive viewpoint it's what i think yeah. are the best 10 songs and as we've always said that any no everyone's top 10s are correct no one's top 10s yeah. are wrong Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Uh, right then. So, Michael, kick Should us, we off, shoot with your, on kick with us off with your number 10 then, please. Well, you see, I jumped around with a number of things, but I, I, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't bear the idea of a 60s compilation of top 10 songs without having a Kinks song in it. So my top 10, number 10... Is uh, is Sunny Afternoon by the Kinks, okay. strangely. Now, you would think maybe Waterloo Sunset... Uh, or, in fact, Lola, but Lola is a 70s song. It is, yeah. yeah, So that wouldn't have qualified. So I went for Sunny Afternoon just because I. it sort of changed their style, I think, that song. So I I really, and I love it for the the relaxed nature of the whole whole thing. It really is a song that is like being on a sunny afternoon, but it's also, you know, life is rubbish and I'm not the best person in the world and I've made a mess of my life, but here I am. I'll just drink a beer, sit in the sun. Oh, well. And uh, I, I love it. And I love all of Ray Davis's work. 
I think it's fantastic. So I, I was going to say with that, Michael, I think Ray Davis is an underappreciated uh, songwriter in himself, a lyricist as well. The lyrics that yeah. he came out with, even if, like you mentioned Lola, which isn't a 60s song, mm. I think it's so perfect in encapsulating what it's telling you. Yeah. It's great. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, he's a, he's a fantastic. Yeah, one well, of the kinks, I think, are forgotten, really, to mm. an extent, in comparison to sort of the Beatles. But they had a, they had a very long career. I mean, they, it's about eight or nine years, maybe even longer, that they, they were in the charts constantly. Mm. And they wrote some absolutely fantastic songs, and they were, they were really big sellers. I mean, Sunny Afternoon, I think Ray Davis does give credit to Taxman by the Beatles as a sort of an inspiration for it, because it says, you know, the Taxman has taken all my dough, dough and uh, you know, left me in this stately hall. At stately home, mm. doe and home don't really rhyme, do they? But no, <laughs> never mind. Yeah, it's a but it's a great start to a a, a, a song, I and think I love the it. Kinks are one of those one of those bands that they sound like the sixties. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? They've got that sound that is straight out of. Just if you close your eyes, you can imagine the Paisley and the, yes. and the yeah. you know and the, and the and the Crush Velvet and all of that kind of stuff. It just I, well, ironically, I did read a little thing about him writing the song. And it said, and it was from him, and he said, I was sitting at home, my daughter was playing on the floor, and I was in the quintessential 60s house. He said it had orange walls, right. and it had, you know, those chairs that were made of like a white dome, and you sat inside them, and it had wicker things hanging from the ceiling. And he said, and I looked around, and I thought, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. Okay, then, great way to kick us off. Uh, Neil, you're number 10. So my number 10 is, um, we spoke about how it's hard to choose, and I think this top 10 would be an ever-evolving one every day would change. But I thought, well, to get it easier, I'm going to go to my playlist and make sure it's, I've spoken about this numerous times on this podcast. Mm -hmm. So if it makes my playlist, it means it's going to be played a lot. So I've I've chosen a few that are on there. And this one is Summer in the City with The Loving Spoonful. Mm. Now, it's been, it's, it was a while before I re-engaged with this song. And I sort of knew it as a child, used to love it, found it very boppy and everything, very sort of uplifting or whatever it was that I did as a child. And then I sort of forgot about it. And then there was, um, when Die Hard 3, Die Hard with a Vengeance came out, on the trailer, they used this. <laughs> and it was so effective on that trailer that it's, I never it's the, forgot it's it. at the very start of the movie. Yeah, that's right, it it's is as well, yeah. the very start of the movie. But obviously, for, you know, it was the trailer that really, I thought, oh, my God, I love that song. Mm. And ever since, it's been on the playlist and everything. Um, yeah, I just, it's everything. Again, it's a very 60s song. When you when you see these um, documentaries, I don't know whether it's got Woodstock involved or they're talking about the hippie generation and everything like that, it's very often used in these programs, documentaries and everything. And again, it's another encapsulation of the 60s to me, music. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I agree. I think it's a fantastic song. But it's interesting, isn't it, the start of songs? I used to play a band. I had a very good friend called Jeremy Pascal, who was a DJ, used to work for Capital Radio. And he loved playing a game called the Intro uh, Game. So we would play it for hours and hours and hours. And he would go through his vast record collection, put it on and only play the intro and and you'd have to guess what it was. And that loving spoonful, you know, Summer in the City, that's a a prime, that was one of the ones he used to catch people out Mm. because it doesn't go two, three, four, from the hot now, Summer in the City, it goes, it goes, yeah, yeah. 
That's it. It's weird. Yeah. You know? That was just. And it's like not like, I mean, they then. did have lots of weird openings and long openings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, they found, of course, of, with the skip generation, which I think is what they call them, the people who, who go on uh, Spotify and listen to things and you just can go to the next, go to the next, go to the next. People come straight in with the song. They come straight in with the lyrics nowadays. Nearly all songs mm. start with, with one drum beat and you're in. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and actually, ironically, the first people really to do that were the Beatles. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you look at things like uh, yeah, Help absolutely. and um, yeah, mm-hmm. stuff like that. It was all one note and then straight into the song. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, it's a great, it's a brilliant song. Yeah, it really absolutely. Is. Great yeah. start. So, my number 10, this is the one that I thought before my mum gave me like eight or nine other ones that I should have chosen. <laughs> but this is the one that always reminds me of my mum. And it's San Francisco, Be Sure to Wear Flowers in Your Hair by Scott McKenzie. Lovely. And it's yeah. a beautiful song. And again, it's about as 60s as you can, you can get. It's mm. all flower power and peace and love. Um, I don't think he actually had any other hits. I'm not quite sure whether he did, but it's just a beautiful tune. Mm. Yeah, and I'm beautiful. not sure whether it's in the on the Forrest Gump soundtrack, but I'm sure it's on a lot of soundtracks where it's all about Vietnam and things like that. It's all... Becomes uh, one of those sort of... Uh, when you think of Vietnam War, you quite often get this. Peace and love, you, isn't it? It's the Hamburger Hill. It oh, was right. in that one. Do you remember? I Hamburger think it was also in Watchmen as well. It might have been on mm. Watchmen as well. But it's a beautiful song. And um, I love it. If anything, it just reminds me of my mum. So yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful one to have. Was she a was she a woman boy? Is she a woman of the sixties? Oh, she is definitely yeah. is. Yeah, it's funny because like we we were talking about uh, this uh, on Monday. I went to see my mum and dad, and um, we were talking about it so much that we ended up getting the Alexa and we said just play 60s songs so we we're just doing nothing like, all night we're listening to and he was going oh what a great song that is oh, yeah. oh what a great song like, mm. my wife and my I did exactly the same thing we spent hours and hours going what about that one oh god it's crazy amazing it is crazy yeah. but yeah that's a great tune and uh, lovely yeah annoyingly lovely, I was lovely, actually lovely. I, I live right through the 60s but I was not really there you know like they say mm. if you remember it you weren't really there unfortunately if you were just too young you weren't really there yeah, yeah and right, I was born in 58 yeah. so by the time i sort of got old enough to be part of the 60s it was the bloody 70s <laughs> right damn it you were always just a decade behind <laughs> just missed it and, well, you, and you i spent get... the rest of my life i have spent my entire life uh, yeah about about 15 years ago i went on tour uh, in a play and every town we were in i would get bored and i would go around the shops and i would go into the clothes shops and say to them do you have flowery shirts and they would say yeah we got hawaiian sh-. no no not hawaiian shirts a shirt with a flowery pattern on yeah. for men. Yeah. Mm. And they would say, no, 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 we haven't. Don't be silly. And I'd say, but you're missing out because there's a whole generation of people like me who never got to wear flowery, powery shirts exactly. when we were young and we all wanted mm. to. Yeah. 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 And, and now you look at it, they're everywhere. Exactly. Men of my age, we buy them by the shed load. That's... Exactly. And a lot more availability now. Mm. I was going to say, Michael, as well, you said you didn't have much to do with the sixes. You did get the two little boys single. That's true, indeed. I, I, I put an end to the sixties, as it were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I destroyed. That's enough of that. They said. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to another decade. Indeed. <laughs> uh, okay, then, Michael, you're number nine, please. Right, number nine. Um, you know, amazingly, also looking at these, a lot of the songs I've shown, I've chosen, were originally released as B sides. I'll wow, tell you as okay. we go through. This was. Uh, this song was released as B-Sides, but it, it was also released in other decades and has been a hit a number of times. And it's Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers. Uh, oh, right, yeah. 
Yeah. What a voice there. Oh, <laughs> unbelievable. And the best of the voices, I think, because it was mm. recorded by all sorts of different people and has been over the time. Um, it has this extraordinary... When it was first released, 1955, it was written, and it was first released, um, it, there were three versions released in the, in the US and four versions of it came out in the UK. And at one point, all of them were in the top 20 in either the US or the UK. So there were seven versions of the song, all in the charts at the same time. Right. Isn't that incredible? It's crazy. It is. I mean, it's that note, isn't it? It's that note at the end when he says, oh. I need your love. Is Yeah. Yeah. I came across this when, like, probably a lot of people sort of my age and a little bit younger maybe, through the Ghost movie. Because that's yeah. what they used it a lot on they that. Did. And it was it like really part of the soundtrack as well. Yes, the famous um, pottery scene. The pottery yeah. scene, mm-hmm. indeed. Yeah. What which, were which they was, making? I can't which, quite I, remember. I don't know. Making Sweet Love, I think, is what they were doing, <laughs> yeah. Michael. And then yeah, it was, was actually Bobby, Bobby Hatfield was the one of the, uh, yes. was the member of the, um, of the Righteous Brothers who sang it. And amazingly, they both wanted to. Oh, really? When it came up, they decided to do it on, the, on their album. And they said, I, I'll sing it. He said, no, I'll sing it. And they tossed the coin. Really? And so it ended up with his voice, which was the higher voice, uh, singing it. Otherwise, they would have, it would be a completely different version. It would have been, mm. yeah. yeah. It wasn't, um, who was the other Righteous Brother? It was, was it Bill Medley? Uh, I think it was Bill Medley, yeah. Yeah, and I don't, yeah. because he's the one that sang, like, the Dirty Dancing. I've had the time. He's got a much more gruffer voice, hasn't he? Yeah, mm. yeah That right. wouldn't have worked. That would have been, no. no. And, of course, uh, the Elvis version that you see at the end of... Um, I think it was the last gig he ever did when he's at the piano and he's yeah, overweight. Yeah, he did do that. Uh, and don't do forget it. Robson and Jerome. Oh, of course, of course. Robson, of course. Of course, yes. You know, yes. Course. And Jimmy Young. Oh, oh yeah. Jimmy Young. Jimmy Young, the old DJ. Yeah, before he became a DJ, he was a singer and I he did. had a number one hit with it in the UK in the 50s. I didn't realise he'd sung it <laughs> as well. And there the you Ken are. Dodd uh, probably sang a version as well. I you? should imagine so. We've all had a go. We've, We've all been a day to karaoke. There's <laughs> <laughs> just there none of us are. can hit that top note. That's the trouble. <laughs> no, I don't. No. You say that. Oh, I can have a good go. There you go. There you go. Uh, right then, Neil, you're number nine then, please. So I'm um, talking of timeless classics and a voice to die for. I absolutely adore this lady. And it was passed on by my granddad because this was one of his favorite songs. And it's crazy by Patsy Cline, uh, 1961. Lovely. I mm. still love this song to this day. Obviously a very sentimental reason behind it, but her voice. Um, and I do think this one's timeless because I don't think this sounds like it's 60s. I don't think it sounds like it's 50s. It's just one of those ones that's always seems to have been there. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I nearly chose it myself. I Did you really? Say. Yeah, because I was aware that I'd, in a way, ignored pre-Beatles. I was right. ignoring that era of the sixties, mm. and and this is an early sixties song, isn't it? Yeah, sixty-one. This came sixty-one. Out. Yeah, but to me, I I mean, you could easily hear this playing from the piano bars of today mm. and think it was modern. Um, Probably yeah. not sang as well because I think Patsy Cline had one of those voices that. Uh, oh, this is another one of those to... karaoke like favorites isn't it that a lot of women think that they can sing it and then they try yeah. to sing it and just it's, can't it's, it's, it's funny because like almost a... every other song she ever sang patsy klein was was a sort of as you say almost a novelty song right or hip bop, 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 beep, 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 bop, sort of songs you know that, that, that it was just sort of every sort of jolly everything and then suddenly that's right sings this thing and it's so soulful yeah it right? is it really is mm. good choice good choice beautiful oh, tune. well done neil we try our hardest. Well done, Neil. <laughs> okay, uh, my number nine. Uh, we're going to go with the Mamas and Papas and ah, California Dreaming. Lovely. 
Now, I, I went to, the first time I ever went to L.A. back in 1991, 1990 it would have been. My mum and yeah. dad very kindly paid for me and my brother to go because it was my 21st and my brother's 18th that year. And I can remember it was a time when you could go and get a CD cut with, you could pick songs, and it was like $28 to get one CD. And I ended up getting a put on there things like I Love L.A. by Randy Newman. Um, uh, I think I put San Francisco flowers in your hair and also California Dreaming because I was trying to get loads of songs that meant like California and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I picked that song, I'd never heard the song before. I picked it because it had California and then I listened to it and I thought, oh my God, this is what a fantastic tune. Mm. <laughs> because I'd known Mamas and Papas for Monday, Monday, mm. but I'd never heard that song. And it's weird that I, it took me 21 years of my life to hear California Dreaming. And I only put it on because it had California in the title. And I was so happy that I, that I did. Mm. I mean, I would have heard it by now, I'm sure. But yeah, It's an amazing song, isn't it? I mean, it's almost impossible to work out what harm it is they're singing, I exactly. think. When you go through, you, what part are you singing? Who's yeah. singing now? What's mm. going on? It's an amazing, you know, soup of voices. Agree. And it's, it's, I find it sounds a little bit like the Eagles in the fact that their, their, their harmonies sound like one voice. Yeah. As opposed to picking out, oh, there's, they're doing the high register, they're doing the low register, and then mm. you can sort of <laughs> sing along to some of the harmonies. You can't do that with the mamas and the papas. They are just no. one voice. Um, a super voices, I think, is a great way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they do that thing of almost swapping lead. That's yes. what they do. You can you'll sing mm. a line, which is the, the actual lead vocal, and then go to the harmony. And, and it still has the same prominence. So yes. you've, you've got to pick it out from the whole thing. Completely yeah, I, I was... It's a very good choice, Mamas and the Papas. That's a very sixties thing, isn't it? Very sixties. Yeah, I was I was tempted by Dream a Little Dream. Yeah, okay. I love great as well. One, yeah, another yeah. great one. But that's yeah. mostly Mama Cass. Mama, Mama Cass, Cass yes. yeah, yes, that's right. Just, who um, is it right that Mama Cass and Jimi Hendrix, and I think someone else, amazingly, possibly even, hmm, can't think. Never mind, but I know, I think this is right. Mama Cass and Jimi Hendrix died in the same flat in London. See, now I think... Yeah, I think is that yeah, right? You're right? I've read something about because that. Because was yeah. it someone famous is... I've been it was pulled, somebody I've been, else's flat, obviously. I've been yeah, pulled, but, you know. pulled up on this before because I remember. I think I remember saying on a previous episode that mm -hmm. Jimi Hendrix died in oh, Harry Nielsen's flat. And then Maybe. somebody messaged and said, "No, you're wrong. It was somebody else's." Is flat. it not? So, is it something to do with Clapton? Maybe. No, I know that Clapton. We're, we're we're getting deep in the weeds here, but I think yeah. somebody Clapton, can look it up. Clapton was somebody can look to be it up. Meeting up with Hendrix the night that he died, okay. and didn't meet mm. up, and but yeah, but I mean, I mean, but Google, the, I, Google it for for actual yeah. facts. But yeah, I think but certainly I think there's that connection right between there. the there two, isn't there? Well, there's a lot of stories around the mummers and papas, and especially Mama Cass and everything. Mm. Ripe for a good documentary. <laughs> Indeed. To a previous episode. But I think, I mean, unless there could well be one, but I would imagine that would be a fascinating documentary. Yeah. Because you read all sorts of things online. I mean, obviously they pre-tail it with, you know, this could or couldn't be real, but if somebody did the digging, I'm sure they could mm. find it out. Yeah. I spoke mm. to a friend of mine on my podcast, uh, and Ronnie Golden, who's a fantastic guitarist and, and songwriter and uh, I was talking to him about the Beatles which he was he picked as one of his things he wanted to put in my time capsule and he was and I said uh, there was a night when Jimi Hendrix was performing and Paul McCartney turned up unexpectedly 
and was standing at the back watching the gig. And Jimi Hendrix came on and said, uh, so great song being released today. Uh, so we're going to play it. And went, we started jump Pepper's Lonely. I started singing it. And the album had been released that day. Oh, wow. He performed it as his first track. And Ronnie said, yeah, yeah, that's right. I went, yeah. He said, I was there. That's crazy, isn't it? Wow. That's amazing. Wow. It's just, and it's wow. always, it's, I've always thought with, with people like um, Jimi Hendrix, John Lennon, mm-hmm. what they would be like if they were alive now. Mm-hmm. You know, someone, someone like the Beatles, would the Beatles be, I mean, I, I would assume they would be like any of these, these big bands like the Rolling Stones charging 600 pounds for a ticket, mm-hmm. you know, or would they be like status quo and playing Butlin's Minehead, you know? <laughs> well, yeah. It just who how would it ruin it would ruin their legacy? Yeah, it's something like Jimi Hendrix and people that have died. The part of the Twenty Seven Club, mm-hmm. they're just enshrined in this this sort of mystery now, and they never grow old, and they're always beautiful, and their songs are. They amazing. can never record a bad record either. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you're able to take the voice of someone and remove the piano and then put all <laughs> sorts of things on it. Mm. <laughs> No Funny. comment. There you, go, there you go. I mean, it is it is interesting. You're talking about the the now and then song. What 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 do you guys? I haven't. Do you know? I've I've got this sort of aversion to it, and I don't know why. Right. I really don't know why. I love the Beatles. Yeah. And I love everything about them. And I love yeah. Paul McCartney. I I spent recently. I was filming uh, somewhere, and I spent several evenings with Kate Robbins, who is. The second cousin of Paul McCartney, yeah, and yeah. she told me a whole evening of stories about Paul McCartney, and all that I can't repeat any of them, sadly. No. <laughs> they're sort of private family stories. Yeah, fair enough. And she she told them to me and trusted me with them, and they were all incredibly heartwarming, and absolutely convinced me that that the the view that you have of Paul McCartney as a man who really fundamentally just wants to be with his family and wants to get on with life and be normal. Uh, despite his extraordinary fame and incredible fortune, yeah, it turned out to be true. Yeah, I mean that's so nice. What do you yeah, think? It is nice. Have what do you I think? Tell, I think the a... song is beautiful. I think the song is great. It's just the video. It's the video. <laughs> uh, right. That certain uh, certain parts of it where it's showing the Beatles back mm. in the day is great. Why they've got everybody sort of. Um, cut together and yeah. they've got john lennon pissing about on a guitar like he's some kind of joker yeah i don't understand that no there must ask, have been other f- jackson but there must have been other footage <laughs> they could have used of john lennon sat at a piano singing or singing something rather than him with an well imagine there's a famous video of that perhaps yeah. they couldn't get the rights to it i just it yeah. just it, it, i watched the video and there's parts of it where it looks like it's a parody video of somebody Piss taking the Beatles. It looks like somebody's put it together in their front room. Yeah. And it's, and and it's been released really on the. You know, watched, it's like the sort at, of thing you might see on YouTube where they couldn't get a video for it. Exactly. And that's what I think. Yeah. It may well yeah. grow on me, but I find it a bit cold. I don't mm. know why. It yeah. just. And yet I know people who had moved to tears. Absolutely. I've seen right. some videos. Because it is. Of people the there same. it is again. Yeah. You know, there yeah. it is again. But there you yeah. go. Okay, oh, well. so that was my number nine. So we're up mm-hmm. to you, Michael, with your number eight, please. At number eight. Well, I'm moving on to another of the great bands. My, the band that my wife calls, oh, not those people with the whiny voices. <laughs> uh, uh, and and it's the Beach Boys. It, it's But it's it's the song, and I don't like most Beach Boys songs, but I love this song. And I think it's possibly one of the greatest songs ever written. And it's God Only Knows which is astonishing. I mean, 
it's a lovely, lovely song, but just the tune, just the mm. tune. That note, that, that mm. it's just so daring and so extraordinary. I mean, it's opera. It it's is. everything. It's classical music. It's all there. It's 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 a great musical song. It's it's everything. I think it's absolutely beautiful. And he sings it so well. Mm. You know, and it isn't spoiled by lots of other people joining in no. too much. <laughs> no. <laughs> what I they mean, did. I think the Beach Boys along with the Beatles, uh, we could easily do a top ten Beach Boys song. Yeah. I I, mm. I could easily I, I have a Beach Boys song in my mm-hmm. top ten. The same I I do have a Kinks song in my top ten coming up yeah. later. Um so I was it was interesting to see which one you were gonna choose. Because <laughs> it mine was so close to being this one. It was so close because it's just I think anything from Pet Sounds you could choose because mm. I mean again that's just an iconic album from the 60s so yeah I mean that it's a, it's a great choice um Neil well with the Beach Boys I'm a bit sort of behind I've I've dabbled but I I grew up a lot um listening to my parents records which introduced me to the 60s and that's where I got my love of the 60s music from and they didn't have a Beach Boys album which I find really bizarre right they didn't so it took me ages to realize who or what the Beach Boys were. Right, right. Established. So I'm still only dipping my toes, and I'm a bit like Michael. Some of it I love. Some of it, mm, yeah, I could give or take. <laughs> it's weird, because you know, a, a lot of their surf stuff just all sound like the same song. Right, yeah. yeah. You know, it's basically yeah. When the you same. say you chose California Dreaming, at yeah. least you didn't choose I Wish They All Could Be California Girls. There you yeah. go, you see. Yeah. Oh, my God, why didn't I put that one on my CD? I don't know. I don't know. You were a, a oh teenager. What's wrong with you? I know. <laughs> yeah. I need to go. I need to get that time machine so I can go back. <laughs> or just go that. back. Just go back to LA. That's the excuse you've got. That's now, the excuse. That's yeah. excuse. I'm, I'm sure my wife will understand. I've got to go she back. Will. I need to change this CD. Yeah. Costs less than twenty eight quid now. I'll tell you that. Or twenty eight dollars. Um, that's a great one, though, uh, Michael. Well done, uh, Neil. You're number eight. So it's Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison. And the reason for this is there's some sort of um, nostalgia involved in this. I love, I do love Van Morrison's songs um, and and grew to love him a lot more. But my parents had this greatest hits thing. I don't know whether it was a Van Morrison album or whether it was one of these ones that you could win at the local fair, but it had Brown Eyed Girl on. And me and my brother, when we used to play the music, used to keep putting this song on a lot, a lot. Then it sort of went out of favour everywhere. And then it came back in that Julia Roberts film, didn't it? Um, was it Sleeping with the Enemy? And then it, it got was. a resurgence. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it got a resurgence of uh, popularity. But Van Morrison's another artist. I mean, I know he can be a bit of an arse the way he can treat his audience, etc., and everything <laughs> like that. But we can't deny the fact that that man has written some beautiful mm. and very catchy songs. Yeah. Um, yeah, so and I think he's still performing now, isn't he? Or was probably, I think so, probably very recently, somewhere. yeah. More than like, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I once went with um, I met up with Chris Evans in <laughs> in the days when he was drinking quite heavily, uh, at the, at the Soho house, uh, in London. I just bumped into him really, and I'm not the sort of person who hangs around those places. I just happened to be there one night. We got talking because we'd played a, f- a football match together. And then he said, have a drink. And I said, have another drink. And then we drank and drank. And he said, hey, Van Morrison's played tonight. Do you want to go? And I said, okay. <laughs> so I said, I'm just going to ring my wife. 
because <laughs> you'll wonder where I am. So I rang my wife, said, I'm going with Chris Evans to see Van Morrison. She said, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> she said, will you be coming home tonight? And I said, yeah, 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 no, I'll get, I'll, probably the last train, but I'll be home. And I went to see this thing. We saw this concert, and then we met Van Morrison afterwards. And and Chris Evans, by this time, was very enthusiastic and very drunk. And he said, I know, let's all go to Dublin. And I said, won't we need passports for that? And he said, don't be stupid, with with Van Morrison. <laughs> he is a passport. And, and you know, yeah. they went. I, I didn't. I said, no, I've got to go home. Really? How wow. stupid is that? I should have just gone. Well, oh, stupid well, or safe. Yeah, safe, maybe. Think, yeah. yeah, you might have regretted it in the yeah, morning. I think so, yes. Yeah. I mean, That's why I'm play, still married. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, I find that, see, part of my um, choice process for this top ten, and for any of the music ones we do, is always because there are certain songs that I can't listen to anymore because I, whenever I go and do singing gigs, I sing them every night. Uh, yeah. So things like this song, um, Sweet Caroline, American Pie, um, uh, I'm a Believer, Daydream <laughs> Believer, they're all great <laughs> songs, but I've sung them so many times, the magic has kind of worn off a little bit. And mm. this is another one. This is another one that you take, I suppose you take the song for granted because you hear it so many times. Yeah. It's a great song, but yeah, just... Um, yeah, my top ten. I mean, my wife said you'd have to put "Daydream Believer," "Daydream Believer" in the monkeys, and and I said why? And she said, "Well, you played bass on it," and and do you no, know, you I didn't. Mean, I didn't on the oh, actual right. record, but I did once play bass um, behind Davy Jones while he sang it wow. on the Little and Large show. Oh, oh my fantastic, God. Michael! You're like <laughs> the Forrest Gump of entertainment. You've I, been I, everywhere. I've had many careers. <laughs> I've met Little and Large. Have you? But they have you played bass. No, in I the didn't. Band? I was Come a bit on, young, Neil. but I did meet Little and Large. I met them when they opened the new supermarket Gateway. Oh, in brilliant! They were lovely. Yeah, they, they came fun. and opened a new supermarket, and I was in the queue and got to meet them both. It was lovely. Fun. I was very excited. Oh, wow. Yeah, I spent the day with David Jones, and then we all sang along, you know. And just, that is, we, oh, that you can is see awesome. it. You can if you look it up, you'll find it on YouTube. It's very strange. A young me standing there, just playing the bass. Well, for our, for our Patreon subscribers on the video playlist, I will find that YouTube clip <laughs> and I will put that in there just for you guys. Uh, you know, I'm going to go and have a look when, this, when we finish <laughs> gonna tonight. Go. <laughs> I'm going to go and watch it. So, have you have you ever written an autobiography, Michael? No, no, Why I'm not? sort of doing it through my podcast oh, and I things see. like this. I'm slowly being reminded of things that I've done, and then I tell people stories because I think if I had to write them down, I wouldn't remember them. Right, right. Oh, yeah. oh my God, you've got stories to tell, haven't you? You have. <laughs> oh, dear, that's a great one. Okay, uh, my number eight. Um, again, we're going into uh, soul and Motown and all of that kind of way. Again, we can do a top 10 Motown songs. Which mm. I'm sure we would do. I'd love to do that. But I'm going to go for the tracks of My Tears by Smokey ah, Robinson and the oh, Miracles. Beautiful. Wow. Um, Smokey Robinson's another one of those guys that, that when you look at just, if you just like grabbed your hand and delved into a list of all of his and picked out five, they're going to be five songs that are just timeless songs. Mm. And he's got one of those voices that would, can just melt anybody. Yeah. And, um, I've got I've got a this I've got a couple of Motown songs in my top ten, but for me, you could have had um, Tears of a Clown. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just so many to list, but for me, Tracks of My Tears. Now, if, if I'm 
correct in remembering. I think it was in, in Platoon. I it was in they, Platoon. I think yeah. it was in Platoon. Yeah, it is because um, I've got the soundtrack to that. So yeah, it is. So I think that yeah. was where I might have heard it the very first time. But oh my god, it's just mm. it's just a beautiful song. It is just beautiful. And what a voice! What mm. carried for so long as well. What a voice! Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's go on to our number sevens. So, Michael, number seven, your number seven, please. Yeah, this is. I love. Always love this song, but it's. A, I always have a particular reason for it. Um, I I did a gig about well, seven or eight years ago. We were asked to do a charity gig. It wasn't. It was a sort of a commemorative gig where people performed stuff, and um, and it was for Douglas Adams. It was in memory of Douglas Adams, and. Uh, I was sitting backstage and I was talking to this old bloke. You know, you may look at me and think, oh, but I looked at this bloke and thought, oh, he's an old bloke. <laughs> and he was a you know, long grey hair, white beard. Uh, and uh, he introduced me. I said, oh, no, I'm Gary. And I went, hello, Mike. And we chatted for a bit about that was good, wasn't it? And, oh, I love that group. People who'd been on. And there were some amazing people playing that night. Pink Floyd played, wow, for example, wow, wow, wow. which was ridiculous. And we sang a silly comedy song. And then we'd done our bit, so I went and sat in the audience. And uh, and then this bloke came on and sat down at an organ and sang White a Shade of Pale. Wow. And it was Gary Brooker. <laughs> and I tell you, the version yeah. that he sang that night, only about seven weeks just before he died, was better than the original version. It, really? His voice was so perfect. It was it was. was it matured, but he still sang it with, he just soared. It was mm. absolutely fantastic. And I can't listen to this song, and I never have without just being amazed at his vocal abilities. And it's a beautiful song. Mm. And uh, and also many years ago, I was in a program called People Like Us, a comedy like called People Like Us. And they said, we're going to, I played a vicar. So at one point I was sitting at an organ and, and the director, John Morton said, can you play at all, Mike? I said, we can play a little bit, you know. He said, play something that sounds like a, um, you know, a, a church song. I said, I know a few hymns, I can play those. And I said, oh, I've got an idea. Why don't we, um, if I start off with, you know, uh, this the bit of bark. So I was playing, dum, 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 dum. And, I, uh, and then I went into Wide Shade of Pale. Oh, right. Which, you uh, know. But underneath the scene, so that it was, you'd have to look back and see it. And right. uh, it's the only time I've ever played played the piano or organ in, in public. So, mm. <laughs> but, my um, auntie, uh, oh, sorry, Michael. I was going to no, say no. my auntie and uncle got married in the sixties, and they famously tell the story that that was their famous song. That was their song. Mm -hmm. So they asked the church organist. They got married. They lived in Kent. And they asked the church organist to learn this, and he apparently did. And they were, you know to walk up the aisle the bride was to this tune but mm. apparently it was like les dawson style <laughs> and they said no everybody in the church was roaring with laughter the way Brilliant. he was trying to play this song he said, oh, right. if only there'd have been cameras and things to have recorded it they he really said, didn't skip the light fandango did they? no, no. He said it was just <laughs> i mean a memorable wedding they said it made it memorable but for Fantastic. the wrong reasons 
yeah, <laughs> I'd love to have seen that. In reference yeah. to our, one of our episodes uh, previous, they didn't go up to him and ask him if he's playing all the notes in the right order or in the wrong order. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, my mum and dad's still raw. My dad, I mean, he finds it hilarious. And when my uncle comes to stay, my auntie and uncle, they still talk about it. And my dad roars. He said, honestly, it was the funniest thing. <laughs> I bet the they can't listen song. to this song without laughing. No, it's probably <laughs> no, destroyed no. it for But if, do you know, it was their first... It was their first hit, Programarum. You, you release a song and this is it. White as shape wow. and pale. Yeah. Amazing. Sort of only way yeah. is dying really after It that, really is, it? sad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Uh, go on then, Neil, you're number seven. So I've, sp- I've spoken a lot about this song in other podcasts. It's been in movie songs, et cetera, et cetera. It's Credence Clearwater Revival. It's Bad Moon Rising. I learned this song from the movie American Wealth in London. I came to, came to really appreciate it. It's way up on my playlist that I've spoken about many times. Mm. It's been a karaoke song of mine when I have done karaoke, which isn't always or, uh, often, especially not now. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I just love this song. And I think it is from the seeing American Wealth in London, I think far too young, but catching on to this song. And I've loved it ever, ever since. And it yeah. had to go into my list on the 60s because it came out in 69. Just made it. Yeah. Just got in. It works yeah. on so many levels, though. It's, it's a bop. Yeah. It's not very long. It's a nice, simple tune. Yeah. But it's got a little bit of like Halloween. Um, leanings to it, and it, there's it it's, it's, a, it's a great tune, it really mm. is a great tune, mm. yeah. yeah, yeah, very good choice. I'm just waiting for Michael to say, Well, I was sat in a pub one day, my wife said, Don't turn everything around to a story about you. <laughs> no, no, please, no, do, Michael, please, please do. If you've got a story, please share it with us because they've been gold so far. I'm trying to work out at the moment, we're only like up to number seven, which bit I'm going to use for the promo, because I've got like half a dozen already to use. <laughs> oh, that's good. So there you go. Um, What's oh, yours? Uh, mine is, oh, I thought you were going to get me a drink then, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> sadly, sadly, we're on Zoom. And, we can't do it, uh, yeah. and, um, I've got my cans lined up. Oh, so, you know. nice. That's what I like to see. <laughs> uh, I'm going for, I think this is still Motown, uh, Jackson 5, and I want you back. Oh. What year um, was that then? Oh, shit. It was, no, it must have been 60s. I'm sure it was 60s. I don't know. Oh, don't do that to me, Neil, because it's taken me ages to get this top 10 sorted. I'm sure it was in the 60s. See, I thought this was the 70s. Are you sure? Oh, God, let me check. Um, Hang on. Hang on. I want you back. You can have my number 11 if you want. (laughs) I didn't know where to put it. I want you back was released by Motown in October 1969. Wow. Whoa. Yes, well, of course, you know, yeah. That makes sense. Michael Jackson, same age as me. Yeah. Really? Mm. Yeah, it was number Would one was on January alive. the 31st, 1970, but it was released in October 69. Yeah. Oh, God, that was Yeah, close. I've got one of those. I've got one. I'm with you on this. I've got one on my list that, um, in fact, is next, that is people would not think of as a 60s song, but it really? is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, you, I think it works on so many levels. It's a great bop. It's a great tune. It works great on Guardians of the Galaxy at the end. Yeah. Uh, you <laughs> yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy with little baby Groot dancing. Yeah. Um, it's again, though I could have chosen four or five different um, uh, Jackson Five songs, but this was the one that made it for me. So, uh, and is yeah. this the one you remember? I mean, obviously you don't remember it when it came out, but obviously we saw a lot of the Jackson Fives growing up in the seventies and things. Mm. Is this the one you remember first? I mean, mine was always the Rockin' Robin. Well, the reason I remember this one is because I can't remember what Michael Jackson TV special he did. 
But he's, I think, might have been the night that he did the moonwalk for the first time and he did Billy oh, okay. Jean. Mm-hmm. But he also did, like, he got the, the Jacksons back and they did, like, a, uh, um, a medley. Right. And they did ABC. This yeah, um, ABC. Yeah. They did, mm. And they did this one. And this is probably, this is going back again. This would have been early 80s, I think, when they did it. And I'd known Michael Jackson for doing Billie Jean and uh, Beat mm-hmm. It and stuff like that. And I thought, oh, my God, what's this stuff? And I really went heavily into Motown and Atlantic Records stuff and Marvin Gaye and all, you know, Lionel Richie, the Commodores, all of that. So I really sort of went head first into all that stuff. Mm. And sort of that's when, that's the beauty of music. Now, I haven't quite done that with things like Pearl Jam and the mm. stuff that Neil loves and even Pink Floyd. I can't, for some reason, get into it. But I fell head first into Motown and the Atlantic and soul and all that kind of stuff. It's a lot easier going, isn't it? I That's think so. why it's, it's it a happy, happy place music. Happy place music. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, well, you know, some of it, and then some also the opposite. You know, you get absolutely heart wrenching stuff from them. I oh, completely yeah. agree. That's completely true. agree. Right then, Michael, you're number six. Ah, this is it. So this is the one that you would think of as being a 70s one. But it's uh, it's an artist that I was so glad to be able to squeeze into the 60s. So it's David Bowie and it's Space Oddity. That nearly made my top ten. What was nah, that? You see, I had that in my head. 69. Ah. Yeah, he didn't have another hit until 72. It's a long time in the wilderness. That's to right. write a song like this, uh, mm. I, I've got... Uh, there's two friends of mine, Steve Steen and... and uh, uh, and Jim Sweeney, fantastic improvisers. Jim Sweeney's very ill now with MS. Oh, but no. um, yeah, they, they were able to talk a story about they used to play live in Beckenham, and there was a Beckenham sort of uh, blues club or a jazz club there, and they and you could go along and you could just stand up and sing if you wanted to. So they were on stage singing the song they'd written, and it wasn't getting a great reception, and it's suddenly the whole place erupted and when everybody joined in started clapping along and somebody was playing the tambourine behind them and they turned around and it was bowie no because oh, wow. that's where he started oh, he started at performing at that club and occasionally he went back oh. and that, they said that was at the time that space oddity was number one wow so that's incredible isn't it because th- that duo i can remember them from my childhood in the 80s mm. they were in a lot of stuff when they they were two of the guys that were in a lot of the yeah. um Oh, like the kids TV, didn't they do? Kids they did TV? do a kids TV yeah. thing, yes. Yeah, yeah, they were, yeah. They were great. And then they did yeah. comedy store players for years. And, yeah, they, yeah. They, are right. the, and they were brilliant improvisers. Yeah. So, yeah, great. they were fantastic. Who's right. Ryan is it anyway? I think. In, uh, That's right, yeah. Um, yeah. Sort of brought them to my forefront. Yeah, yeah, but they did appear in a lot of stuff, didn't they? But this oh, song only comes. This only comes out now because he wrote that song, and nobody was very interested in it. And then a record executive heard it, and mm. it was just after the Apollo Eleven landing on the moon, and so they they went, "That'll work. Get that out." Yeah. And so they released it. Yeah. Well, when Great. we do our part two, can I put that in my top ten then? Because I honestly <laughs> thought that was seventies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was surprised to see it on the list there for nineteen sixty nine. Well, just as a sixties song, but yeah, mm-hmm. just sneaked in there. Uh, go on then, Neil. You're number six. So I've gone for another beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song. Simon and Garfunkel's Sound of Silence. Ah, it's beautiful. Um, now, from now on to my number one, these could all probably change day after day. Mm-hmm. But this, you know, when you just hear a song and you fall in love with it, and for some reason it, it's there, isn't it, for life, that when you hear it, it brings back emotions or whatever. This is one of those songs for me. Um, I even, I will say that, which always shocked me, that the band Disturbed, 
which are a very heavy metal band, did a cover version of this. And his voice on this song, I have to say, is absolutely stunning. And it's a beautiful version. Yeah. I do always prefer the original on this one. But there's something about Art Garfunkel's voice as well that yeah. I don't think he gets a lot of credit for the beauty of his voice. You know, now people no. seem to have gotten him. It's I mean, all... in, in many ways, Bridge Over Troubled Waters, that's the, no, that's the, that's their big song. Exactly. And, and in fact, it's just him. It is just really. him. You know, it's you like know, a I solo think... version. I know, but this I is gorgeous, isn't it? And it's, it's, it's beautiful. It, it, to, to start a song with, Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yeah. yeah. I've come to talk with you again. You know, that's just, you go, oh, my word. Exactly. It's incredibly powerful. Yeah, it's when, when you hear Paul uh, Simon talk about the art of songwriting, he, you do, you, you start, there's moments when I watch it and I think, God, he's getting a bit anal about this, isn't he? But then you realise that he actually sweats over every single mm. syllable, every mm. single note, every single moment of a song. It's not just, I'm just going to play some chords and think, wonder what happens. He genuinely studies everything. Yeah, it's just fantastic. Yes. It is. It's mm. another example, though, of, of the fact that, in fact, the lead, the the lead vocal is taken by Art Garfunkel. Yeah, mm. it's interesting to be a great songwriter like that, with a great voice like that, and to constantly give over the tune to another to the other performer. Mm. It's mm. interesting, isn't it? Because they didn't get on very well at the end. No, no, not and, at all. And you know, and I think Art Garfunkel always, Garfunkel always felt that. You know, he didn't get the credit he deserved, but he got a lot more of a chance than he possibly mm. deserved. Yeah. Know? He could easily have been the man who does the harmony. Yeah. Exactly. But it, often he wasn't. And with the songs that he is lead on, like you said, you know, Bridge Over Troubled Water, which is just him, is just, mm. he's got a haunting voice, I think, Art Garfunkel. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You per- know, Bright, I mean, Watership Dame. Yeah, I was going to say, Bright Bright Eyes. Eyes. I mean, Mm. it's not, to me, a great song, but it's beautifully sung. Oh, I think it's a lovely song. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm traumatised from my childhood. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching Watership Down. There's a beautiful version of him singing uh, I Only Have Eyes For You. That's another one. fantastic. Yeah. And his voice just floats, doesn't it, up to those big top notes. And they work so well together as a voice as well, Mm. as as the two. Well, it's funny you say that, Neil, because... at about five o'clock tonight, that was my number six as well. Ah, uh, right. But actually, it's not. I chose The Boxer instead. I was choosing okay. between Sound of Silence and The Boxer, and <laughs> I went with The Boxer instead. So it's still number six. And mm. everything you've just said, on, and you've said as well, Michael, about the two of them together, says exactly the same for mm. this, whether it's the lyrics, the way that their voices meld together. Um, mm. And there isn't really... A lead singer in this one. It, they, they sing everything together, yeah, beautifully in in sync and uh, in unison. It's just a beautiful tune. Have you watched the footage of when they reformed and did it, however many times? And there's the one at Ma- is it Madison Square Gardens where they came mm-hmm. back and did the um, performance. And when they sing these songs, it, they hadn't lost it. The beauty. No, I mean, it brought. I mean, I wasn't even there, and it's years after when I watched it, and it still brought tears to my eyes in that mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, it's yeah. absolute beautiful beauty. It is fantastic. It? When I was a student, uh, I shared a house with a fellow who played guitar very well, and he loved this song. And we decided that we were so broke that we should go out and do busking. Right. So we 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 worked this one up, and we worked up a couple of other songs, but mostly, you know, we did "Bye Bye Love" and things like that. You know, We're just where you could do the two harmonies. I did the the Garfunkel part, and he did the Paul Simon part, and uh, we. Walked down into town, into Oxford, 
and we stood outside the Bodleian Library and and we started playing and a coach pulled up full of Japanese tourists <laughs> and they all got off and they put notes into our hat. Honestly, they went, oh, very good. And they just put this money into a hat and we, we made about 50 quid. Wow. And we hadn't even finished this one song. It was one of the best performed gigs I've ever done. Slipping and we went, everywhere. well, that'll do. And yeah. we, never got the, we, did, we never sang Bye Bye Love in public. We just sang that song and then we went to the pub. And also <laughs> suddenly realising that we're whilst recording this, we're coming up to Christmas and we've done the Christmas songs. I uh, don't think I put their version of Silent Night in, which I think is absolutely beautiful. No, mm-hmm. it didn't even occur to me that one. No, and that's a beautiful yeah. version. Yeah, there you go. Right, well. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Halfway through. Mm-hmm. So it is time for this. Pop quiz, hot shot. Yes, we're going to have a little bit of a quiz. Now, this is a little bit different, this one. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the song and the title. You need to tell me what year it came out. Right. Okay. So it's first one to three. Uh, Michael, you are our guest, so you can go first or second. Um, No, let's dive in. I'll go first. Okay. And if you get it wrong, it goes over to uh, to the opponent. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to lose this. Okay. Well, you never know. (laughs) You never know. I haven't Um, got a good hit ratio on these quizzes for some reason. (laughs) So the first one is Manfred Mann and Pretty Flamingo. What year did that come out? Uh, I was going to go 67. It wasn't. Neil? 
Trying to even think how it goes right now. My mind's Pretty right. flamingo. Oh, yeah. I'll go 67 then, because it was... That's what I said, 67. Oh, sorry. I'll go 66. Sorry, Michael. Uh, 66. It's correct. It was yeah. 1966. So well done, Neil. Uh, over to you, Neil, uh, with the kinks, and you really got me. This is one of their first, isn't it? I'll go 65. Oh. It is not. So, Michael, over to you. What year? 64. Is correct. Well done, Michael. <laughs> okay, over to you then, Michael. Uh, Scaffold and Lily the Pink. Love this oh. song. <laughs> Why do I love this song? I so Mike McCartney. Uh, yeah. yeah, Lily the Pink. What year do you reckon that was? Mm. 68. No, it was. Oh. I'm going to go 69 then. It was. There we 69. are. It's the end of the season. <laughs> now I, I want to know, Neil, are you, are you doing the same thing as me, thinking that number and then changing your mind and giving the wrong answer? <laughs> I did on the on the kinks. Yeah, I just I did it with 60. that one. I thought yeah. it's yeah. right there's, on there's, the end of the season. I know it was in the end. Here. There's a bit of a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Neil. Um, this is for the win, actually, Neil. So, Sunny and Cher, I got you, babe. Ooh. I'm going to go 65. It's lower in the 60s than I It was oh, 65. It was. Yeah. I would have gone oh. for 65 as well. Well done. Oh, well done, Michael. Right. Sorry. No, actually, I knew, I no, I'm happy with that. I researched 10 of these bloody things. Well, we'll go through anyway. So <laughs> yeah, go on then. Let's have a go. So Spencer Davis Group, keep on running. Oh. See, that's... I'm going to go quite early. I'm going to go 64. It wasn't. Oh, no, Neil? Is it, is it later? I reckon. 65. It was 66. Ah. The Rolling Stones, get off my cloud. What do you reckon? Um, who's, who's this? Michael first? No, Michael. you can just shout him, like, because uh, you've already won, Neil. So. 65. It was 65. Ah, well done. Elvis 64. Presley, return to sender. 62. It was 62. Yeah. The Monkeys, I'm a believer. Oh. Um, 64. <laughs> no. Uh, 66. No. It was 67. Wow. Cliff Richard, congratulations. <laughs> um, 1427. <laughs> uh, not that late. <laughs> congratulations, you've come second in the Eurovision yeah. Song Contest. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. 1960. No. Mm. No, 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 no. It's um, uh, I, I think sixty nine, sixty eight. Oh, yeah, no, no, and the last one, the Beatles. She loves you. <laughs> sixty three. It was sixty three. <laughs> there you go. Okay, back Everyone to the knew uh, that one. back to Everybody the main, knew that one. main. Yeah, indeed. Back to the main issue. Uh, Michael, your number five, please. Uh, number five. So this is one of those songs that doesn't appear on many lists. But it's Etta James, uh, I'd Rather Go Blind. Oh, okay. Uh, 1967. Uh, yeah, it's, it was, one of again, one of the B-sides. So, um, as with God Only Knows, I have to say, God Only Knows is a B-side to Wouldn't It Be Nice. Wouldn't it be nice? Yeah. So, uh, this is just... Etta James was one of those fantastic uh, blues singers. And she was, you know, really famous in the 50s and had this extraordinary voice and had had a number of hits, but then she became a heroin addict and her career has absolutely fallen away. 
And she, this was really one of those songs that was recorded uh, in a break. She, she took a break. She managed to, you know, go, I'm clean, I'm clean. And she went back into the recording studio and recorded this. And it's, um, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, the, the emotion of it. You know, we talk about the, the ability of a song to, to tear you apart. If you don't know it, then I would say listen to it because it's, it's amazing. So it's it's unusual to pick somebody who's not famous, particularly, or a song that's not that not that well known. But uh, for me, it's it's I can't listen to it without crying. All right. Now, mm. is Etta James? Is she the one that was had a resurgence with the "I Just Want to Make Love to You" song from no. the Coke advert? Wasn't it the Coke advert? Yeah. Just maybe it was. Maybe it was. Yeah. Maybe it was. She, she sort of came back in the sort of nineties and two thousands. That's way. right. Yeah. But there's there's one to go on the list then, Neil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Etta James. I've had a little delve into Etta James. Really? My uh, phrasing there. But yeah, before <laughs> with the wonder of like your Spotify's and Apple Music, you can mm. pick up on these things. And I've always, you know, Nina Simone. I've I've got a lot of admiration. Listened to a lot of that. Ella Fitzgerald and and mm. sort of things like that. And when you're in those rabbit holes, you Etta James comes out all the time. So I've had a little dabble, but not. I need to go further in. And yeah, it's one of those people who would mm. be much more famous were it not for the fact that much of the time she was unable to perform mm. or was you know off her head. Oh and right. So you know, yeah, yeah, she has these great gaps in her career, and they and people keep saying you can't rely on her, and then she has to force her way back in, and because she's such got such an amazing voice they bring her back in and then she does a bit and then she'll have a hit and then disappears again. Wow. Sad. Great one. Sad. Great one. It is um, sad. Okay then, Neil, number five. So I've said certain bands, I'm only entitling myself to one song from them. So this is my <laughs> Rolling Stones one and it's Give Me Shelter. That's 19... my number two. Is it really? That's my number two, yeah. Which I just, it's, to this day, I think it's probably the greatest Rolling Stones song they've ever done. Um, the, the well, we've spoken about it before. The backing vocals on this oh. song are just stunningly beautiful. The whole track is fantastic, it really is. It's a fantastic, yeah. Mick sounds really good, like I know him, you see. Mick, <laughs> <laughs> um, all his friends called him Michael. Ah, yeah, that'd be why then, <laughs> but um. <clears throat> Yeah, it's a great song. We've spoken about this so many times on numerous podcasts, haven't we, Pav? We really have. Mm. I just think it's a perfect song. Yeah. It is. It's, again, in so many different ways, it's a perfect song. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm, no, I've, I've got a funny feeling. I'm sure that Michael must have some kind of Rolling Stones anecdote. Must be in, in <laughs> no, your... no, I'm, all I can tell you from this is that uh, I'm, I'm ashamed to say, really, that I, I haven't chosen a single track from the Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones. In a way, it's sort of you know when you've got this whole body of things. I'd very nearly put Painted Black in. Right. Yeah, that's another classic, but, um, isn't it? Yeah. But in the end, possibly, like you say, the fact that they're still going and they're mm. still hammering these songs out, you know, and you sort of go, stop now. <laughs> I really, that's enough. I don't think they know how to do they. they? Don't. That's the thing. No. I really do. I mean, Keith Richards famously said with the release of the um, last single on that interview, he said if he stops, he's going to die. Yeah, quite. <laughs> I think they're right. But you know, yeah. uh, I, I, you know, I just, um, yeah, maybe it's been the whole thing for me has been tarnished by the fact that they just keep going, keep going, keep going. You know, yeah. and again, it's that whole thing, like we were saying about earlier on, is that yeah. like the the 
the, the bands where someone dies in it and they go away, they become immortalized. Mm-hmm. And you will just constantly, I mean, again, you love the Beatles. I mean, I think now I would be going, you know, Honky Tonk Woman is one of the greatest songs ever written. What are you talking about? It's got to be on the list. Exactly. You know, I can't get no satisfaction. Greatest song of the 60s. Yeah. I would be saying that mm-hmm. now if, if, for example, Mick Jagger or half of them had, you know, if they'd gone along with their drummer, yeah. as it were. Yeah. yeah. Do you find it the same with, like, The Who, Michael? Because obviously they're still performing well and truly everywhere. Ah, you see, you've done this deliberately, haven't you? Uh yeah, I um, <laughs> I went to dinner at Robert Bathurst House. One, he lives in Stonegate. It's a wonderful actor, Robert, and um, and uh, so I can't remember his name. No, who's the lead singer of the Who? Roger, Roger Daltrey. And Roger Daltrey lives just down the road. And he, we went round and he said, "Oh, Mike, this is this is Kevin. He's a local farmer. This is uh, Peter. He's a teacher. Uh, this is Roger. Uh, what? Well, he's a he's a singer. Aren't you still singing? Aren't you, Roger?" <laughs> and went round the table like that, and I went, it's "Roger Daltrey." And at one point, we opened a bottle of wine, and it was absolutely unbelievable. It was one of the best bottles of wine I'd ever tasted. And, and I said, who brought this? Stupid question. <laughs> Roger George, you said, I did. I, I've got it from myself. I don't really drink wine, but I've got some wine in the cellar. I pick, just picked it up. And it was like a Petrus 1968 or something. It was absolutely absurdly expensive bottle of wine. Mm. He said, I've got some more if you want it. And we said, yeah, all right. So he said, all oh, right, come with me, Mike, and we'll, we'll go down there. So I got in his car, which was out the front, and he hadn't been drinking wine, and he drove like a rock star. Really? He drove this right. great big Mercedes down some country lanes to his place and then swung into this gravel drive and sort of spun it round. And then we went in and went down to the cellar, which was full of the most amazing wine. <laughs> and he said, I don't know what any – I don't drink it, so I don't. you pick one. And I – some sort of amazing <laughs> bottle of wine, which then we took it back. So that's oh. my. Do you, do you only ask me for a Rolling Stones one? I'm afraid I can only do the Who. Well, well that's fine because I'm denied about a Who song, and I realised that the mo- I fell in love with the '70s Who, mm. you know, Tommy and stuff like that soundtrack. So, yeah, I couldn't get a '60s Who song in there. There you go. Um, the Roger yeah. Daltrey story is chapter seven of uh, Michael's autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have the bottle of wine, or did you drink it? Because it probably uh, no, we drank it. Drank we it. drank it. I should have kept it. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we did record said. a, a uh, Who song on Spitting Image years ago, which was fun to do, uh, which was which had the line, uh, "I hope I get old before I die." Yeah, which is you know, we just um, which is mm. we just switched it round, which I'm sure is what they should be singing now. Indeed. That's absolutely <laughs> right. Um, okay, my number five. Um, is, I'm going to mirror everything that you said earlier on, Michael, about uh, your number 10, because mm-hmm. I've gone for Waterloo Sunset uh, by the Kinks. Um, again, Sunny Afternoon was on my list um, until I think uh, before yesterday, I think it was. And mm-hmm. I was tossing between Waterloo Sunset and Sunny Afternoon, and I just went for Waterloo Sunset. It's... Um, but everything you said, Michael, is exactly the same about Waterloo Sunset and Sunny Afternoon. It could have been flip of a coin for me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we don't really need to say much more about that, to be fair. Uh, Beautiful. Okay. Uh, Terry and Julie. We know that. That's Terence Stamp and Julie Christie. Christie. Is it no. really? Yeah, that's who oh, it is. Oh, I didn't know that. There we go. Mm-hmm. Every day's a school day. Yeah. Chapter, eight the book, uh, chapter 8 of the book there. Chapter 8 of the book. I did not know that. <laughs> Julie Christie, one of the most beautiful women ever. Oh. Amazing. 
And see, this podcast, mm-hmm. you don't get entertained, you also get educated. Yeah. I've always said, <laughs> two for one on this podcast. You learn things you don't want to know. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but you never know, do you? You might be, you might be sat on the, the million pounds, or the million pound who wants to be a millionaire, and they'll say, you know, who are yeah. they? And you go, I know. I'll, I'll phone I my know. friend Michael. He'll be drinking a bottle <laughs> yeah. of Roger Daltrey's wine. Answer <laughs> 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 yeah. this yeah. question. Okay, Michael, you're number four then, please. At number four is Aretha Franklin, a natural woman. I know that's written by Carol King and she did a beautiful version of it herself, but I just think that Aretha's version of it is is amazing. And yes. I think possibly she's the greatest soul singer. Well, she is the greatest soul singer there's ever been. It's a voice that the things she can do with her voice are astonishing. Mm. Uh, and again, it's one of those, it gives me chills to listen to it's a fantastic song, and yeah. and I also just always picture my wife and my daughter uh, late at night, drunkenly screaming along to it, <laughs> which is who wouldn't? Uh, happy, lovely. This is yeah, another one of those. Voice, it's it? another one of those ones where women at a karaoke think that they can sing it, oh, yeah. and it's mm. not until they get in front of the microphone that they realise that there's only one Aretha Franklin. Yeah. The amazing thing is that natural woman. No, um, that no, I, I very nearly re- picked uh, respect, which yeah. of course is uh, the big hit she had at mm. that time, uh, which was written by Otis Redding. Oh, oh was it? I didn't realise that. Yeah. So she switched it round. It's become the great women's anthem. Yeah. Mm. But um, but no, in the end, I went for natural woman because I love Carol King as well. So it sort of reminds me of that. I love the, yeah. the Carol, the famous Tapestry album. Yes. Mm. Great choice. Great choice. Um, Okay, then, Neil, you're number four, then, please. So I had to put a Beatles one in here because we're big Beatles fans. I wasn't (laughs) going to put it number one because we've done everything we can ever do probably talking about the Beatles, but I could have any one of them, I thought. But today, I'm going to have Hey Jude. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Because I can. And (laughs) because... I just, I didn't know which one to choose. And so there's a special place to this one. I mean, me and Pav have done it at a few shows where it just goes on and on. At the end of our shows, we've sung it. Audience always seem to love it. It's a beautiful, simple song in a sense. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that you can hear John Lennon's reaction in the background and they still play it when it's on the radio. You can hear it as clear as day. I love that reaction. It's just yeah, it had to be for me. Mm. I'll put this one in today. Tomorrow it'll be something different. No, but it's glorious. It's a fantastic yeah. song. Uh, I've always thought that a good documentary would be to to research who are the people, all those young people, in the video of Hey Jude. Oh yeah, to climb on stage with them. Yeah, and you know they're always they've been brought into the studio. It's a weird group of people. And yeah. they just suddenly told, at, at this point, when he starts singing this thing, join in with him and stand right there. And they get right. And there's one bloke who's, who conducts everybody. He looks a That's bit drunk. Right. He's got his teeth out. <laughs> who are those people? Well, there you go. I that could know. be a I, new podcast. It could yeah. be. I saw a, a, an interview with uh, Julian Lennon, and he was saying how he hates this song. <laughs> he said he, he he absolutely respects it you know and it's a, it's a great song he said but he he never wants to hear this song again he said because it's written about like his dad not being there mm-hmm. and it was and it's and it's just painful to hear the song because while everybody else loves the song it just brings back all these really unhappy memories for him so he said he never ever wants to hear the song he re- he respects Paul McCartney for writing it but he just he said, I just never want to hear that song again. It's just like, mm. it's too painful. Yeah, good understand. Yeah. My wife's yeah. father uh, loved this song because it was when it came out, 
he said they, he was a, a beatnik, really. And when this came out in the 60s, they were still going to coffee bars and the jukebox would play. And when they put it on, because it went on for so long, he remembers the first time it went on. And then they, they put it on immediately afterwards again. So it's about seven minutes, isn't it? And then they pressed the buttons and played it again. And then they, pressed, so they played it until everybody knew it. Right. Mm. So they played it all morning, over and over and over again. And by the end, the whole place was just singing along to it and just standing up and waving their arms in the air. And then he, he bought a copy of it and took it home to his father. Now, my wife's father was very Jewish. And uh, and he took it home and played it to his dad and said, you know, what, what do you think? And he said, it's a good song. I like it. He said, yeah, hey, Jew. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh bless bless him oh, bless. did you correct him or did you just let him have his moment no, i think he left him you know, yeah, yeah that's what it's called dad to, you. Yeah, you. Have to. but i also love the fact that you hear the real sort of surprise in like i said before john lennon i mean you hear him just go fucking hell you can hear it as clear as day so yeah. he obviously you can hear that respect that comes out of john lennon for that yeah and i love the fact that they've left it in there and yeah <laughs> There's there's something very rounding about it as well. I think mm. that you sort of you can you can see them at the point where they they just go. They're so settled and they've sort of done it. Mm. You know, we've we've done it now. Yeah. And and I love the fact that that he starts singing. She loves you at the end of it. Mm. Oh yeah. It's it well, takes yeah. it full circle. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It says you've used the same chords. It's a classic. It's a it's a mm. classic. Absolute classic. Um. Okay. My number four. Uh, oh, hang on. Yes, it is. Um, I'm going to do the same as I did with number five with the Kinks. Is uh, I will just bow to everything that Michael said in regards to the Beach Boys, because um, I've gone for "Wouldn't It Be Nice" instead mm -hmm. of uh, what you chose. What did you choose? Uh, God only yeah. knows. Could well, have been either as I one. said, the mine was the B side of yours. Yeah, it could have been either one. And um, again, it's another classic tune. Um, mm -hmm. I, there isn't much more I can say apart from what Michael said earlier on in regards to "God Only Knows." Everything works with this. It's just a beautiful tune. And uh, yeah. the great thing is that that album, Pet Sounds, is the thing that inspired uh, Sergeant Pepper. Sergeant Pepper. Yeah. They wrote Sergeant Pepper's. They did that song. They made all those albums. You know, it's, it's an incredible thing to have done. But they did it because they heard Pet Sounds and went, we need to up our game. Yeah. Mm. And, and you, feel, you feel then that, that everything that happened from Sergeant Pepper was different wasn't mm -hmm. it and like mm -hmm. you say if it hadn't been for pet signs there wouldn't have been sergeant peppers so yeah yeah okay then michael you're number three please uh number three when i'm going taking this back to <laughs> we're going to do the entire uh songbook of simon and garfunkel because i've gone for america oh okay nice mm. which yeah. is yeah number three of all the best songs in the 60s wow that's quite a thing to say isn't it but i it's it's a I, I just think it's a fantastic song. Mm. Again, this is one of those ones where I was talking always about him handing it over to Art Garfunkel. Art Garfunkel, he doesn't in this song. This is clearly a song that means something to him. I think to Paul Simon, and he really takes the lead on it. Yeah, and you can tell that it's a personal song. You can tell that it's a song written about you. You what do you feel that it's a personal experience that at some point he's done this. You know, it's like um, it's exactly the same thing as just sitting on a railway station. You know, homeward bound. It's mm. you know it, that is him, apparently written in a railway station, Warrington or Crewe or something like that, sitting waiting for a train to go home and just wanted to get back to America. And then this is him doing that journey, going off. 
he'd, he'd, he'd come across on the on this journey a place called Saganor, and he thought I'm going to put that in a song because that's such a, a great name, and he does. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you think they? Uh, do you think there's a bad Simon and Garfunkel song? I, I mean, I've racked my brains to the albums I listen to. I, I mean, do you know the one that I uh, um, the, the one with the the pan pipes that it gets on my nerves now. What's that uh, one? That's not uh, me and Julio down by the school. No, that's a no. I love that song. Love that one. It's um. I can't oh, remember, I but if I, mean, I but anybody who knows, yeah, you can listen yeah. back. It's it's got the it's got n- not pan pipes. It's sort of the 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 South American, oh, yeah. Yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. that is. Ah, yeah, I can't nose. remember the name of it. But I mean, even like I mean, I was going to say like Scarborough Fair is a, mm-hmm. <laughs> still a lovely song, even though it's like a nursery rhyme that they're singing, isn't it? It's yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just I don't I mean, think they've he's, done a duff. What a song. what a songwriter he he's mm. just one of the most amazing songwriters. Absolutely, it's a beautiful song great. called uh, Renee and yeah, Renee and it's about Magritte and his wife, and it's about them living in America after the war and surviving, right. and it's uh, it's just an astonishing, astonishing song. Mm. Yeah. Let's see if I oh, can well. find it. Mm. Uh, Rene and Georgia Magritte with their dog after the war. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Rene and Georgette Magritte with their yeah. dog after the war. Perfect. It's done. a beautiful, <laughs> if you've not heard it, have a listen. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. Perfect so, done. yeah, I mean, that's it. America, I can't really say much about it, but it makes you want to get on the Greyhound bus. Mm. And, you know, and and the bloke in the cab- gabardine suit is a spy. Of course he is. We know that. <laughs> When you were sat on the train station waiting for your train after being the night with uh, Chris Evans, were you singing America or were you singing Dublin? Maybe you were I was singing, singing Homeward Bound. That's Homeward what I was Bound, singing. Yeah. <laughs> and quickly. Yeah. Yes, please. Uh, go on then, Neil, you're number three. Satchmo. I love him. Um, uh, got to grow to love him. So I'm going to put What a Wonderful World, Louis Armstrong. Um I discovered Louis Armstrong probably in my early 20s. It took me a long time to find out about him, and I've loved him ever since. Um, he's, he used to be when you could put more than one CD in your CD player in the car. His greatest hits was always a constant. My dad was a little bit of a fan, but I've got him into the albums and the other stuff. I mean, obviously appeared in movies. It's just that voice. and We're talking voices, but... yeah. This this is almost magical, isn't it? When you listen to this, to me, with his voice, and it's what a wonderful world. It sort of makes you a bit happier when you hear it, <laughs> just subconsciously. You do, you do, you do. You sort of romanticise that the world isn't such a shit place when you hear it. But you know, it's... well, he's sort of right. If you look at those things, that is wonderful. Mm. They are yeah. wonderful things. You know, the colours of the rainbow, trees, children. It's, you sort of go, that's amazing. Exactly. And we're lucky to have them. Uh, you're, and we take it the, for The thing that people forget about Sashmo is, is that he he does have a really good voice. I mean, mm. it's unusual, but he can sing a hell of a range. Yeah. He doesn't just do that, just gravelly stuff. He sings, you know, the cars, it keeps the tune going. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it, it developed this ability when you listen to his recordings with Ella Fitzgerald, mm. where he, he sings like a trumpet. That's right. He sings trumpet parts. It's it's incredible. And he was a fantastic trumpet player as well. Amazing so, trumpet player. He really was. Yeah. Hmm. I remember listening yeah. to this on the first time. I think it was like the last song on the Good Morning Vietnam 
soundtrack. Oh, is it? Ah, is it? And right. that was that was where I sort of discovered it. But mm. yeah, I mean, you can't fault the voice. I mean, he's one of those voices. As soon as he sings, you know who it is. Exactly. Nobody can. Nobody can. No. You know, mimic that voice. And yet, and once he'd done it, when everybody impersonated him, they all went, "Oh, yeah, yeah." <laughs> yeah didn't and, they? and but in fact, that's the first time he does it. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't. It's not. You know. It's. It just puts it on at the end of that song. And I would definitely say, if you if you have only really touched on Satchmo, go in, go in mm. deep, because it's beautiful. You're going to be well rewarded, because I yeah. certainly was. Really and, and what he does with other singers. So, for example, mm. you know, Bing Crosby, who was, you know, an enormously successful singer for many decades, one of America's great singers, yeah. did a lot of recordings where he, he just sang well. But you can tell that when he really, really is enjoying himself singing is, is something like... Uh, the birth of jazz in mm. in from white uh, um, high society is now I think yeah that it just goes well, you take a bomb <laughs> uh, and, and it's just it's he lets himself go jazzy mm. you know which he he sort of had held back before that but being with such and you can see that he's genuinely making yeah. it laugh yeah that's and, and that's a film you know it's not a live performance it's it's the fact that even within the making of a film. He was able to, to mm. he varied it enough each time to make him him laugh at it. And that's the other thing, wasn't it? Satchmo always looked like he was having a good time. <laughs> yeah. Whenever you see him on the movies, on the live performances that you can find, mm-hmm. he's having a great time, that boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great one. Uh, okay, my number three. Uh, we're going to go back to Motown, and I'm going to go for Baby Love by The Supremes. Uh, Diana Ross and The Supremes. Again, Stopping the name of love, I could have had. You can't hurry love, any of those kind of ones. But this has just got a, a killer um, melody, and the voices. It, this is what Motown is to me. This song is what Motown is, and um, I was just listening to it. Then it's a head bobber, isn't it? <laughs> it really you is. You hear it, and you're away. You just can't. You just can't beat it. I mean, I'm a big Diana Ross fan anyway. When even when she was like solo stuff, mm. but. Yeah, you just can't beat him. And it's an enjoy voice, isn't it? It's not, I mean, there's so many of those singers from that time who had voices that were really powerful or gravelly mm. or had an enormous range. You don't notice her range. No, Because she, she does it with such ease. Yeah. If you try to sing any of those songs or almost any of the songs she ever recorded, they're really hard. Yeah. Mm. She's got, but it she makes like it sound a very easy. fragile voice, but it's not fragile. But do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. It's. I don't really know how to explain it, but but it's just an amazing voice. Did you enjoy really a Glastonbury set? Um, not mm-hmm. so much. I mean, My mum and dad went and saw her live, and they said that live she sounded okay. Yeah, a I friend saw of mine saw her at Cardiff Castle, and he said that some of the songs sounded a bit. The ones that really came out, they were worried that the rumours were true that she was singing to a backing track. Right, mm. right, but again. Um, I was having this conversation with um, uh, someone at work today um, in regards to Paul McCartney and the fact that I think I've asked this question before. Paul McCartney's 82 now, 83, mm-hmm. and his voice is not there now. But if you're going to go and spend money to see Paul McCartney, are you seeing him as he is or are you going to see him because he's Paul McCartney? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same as a, a lot Diana of these ones. Ross, so yeah. with, Gi- with Diana Ross, you're going to see a living legend. 
That's yes. Right. If you want to see make, people yeah. sing those songs as well as they did originally, then the best thing to do is go and see a tribute band. Exactly. Mm. Because they will sing them better than the people Ex- who can sing them. The only example of people who can still sing their songs and probably sing them better is someone like Tom Jones, yeah. who I'm annoyed that I haven't got in my list. Right. Mm. I, I mean, I so admire Tom Jones and so love his voice. And uh, I wanted to put Green Green Grass of Home in it, you know, um, just because I think it's a fabulous song. Yeah. And uh, I also, I was in Benidorm, uh, actually in the town of Benidorm. I was also in the the, the program Benidorm, yeah. but, um, <laughs> but we we were out we were out one night. Uh, it was a great. We found this karaoke bar that was virtually empty, so everybody rang everybody else up, and all the carry all the cast of of Benidorm went there and so we could sing karaoke without being disturbed right mm. not my case but there were people like Johnny Vegas and other you know very much more famous people than me and uh, so we took our turns and then just as I was about to sing this great horde of people all dressed as Heidi High <laughs> yellow coats yeah, yeah. all came in and they'd all come from uh, from South Wales and they all came in they were very drunk and very loud and uh, and they went, and everybody went, we should leave, we should leave. And I said, no, no, we'll get them on our side. So I said to the bloke, can you do Green Green Grass of Home? And I sang it. And they all came and sat at the, sort of around my feet and joined in. It was uh, it was fantastic. And then we had a great night with these lovely, lovely people. Oh, it was very good that's fun. So fantastic. I have a very fond memory of that song. But uh, I think Tom Jones is, uh, yeah, in another time he would have been, they would have taken him and turned him into an opera singer or something. He oh, can yeah, do anything. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, incredible. Um, mm. Okay, then, Michael, your number two. At number two is Sam Cooke. Uh, oh. A change is going to come, which, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, he, he recorded lots of really lovely, quite light, quite sort of uh, jolly songs. And then I think that he, um, he heard Bob Dylan singing Blowing in the Wind and was annoyed with himself that a white man had written such a great protest song about racism that he thought I've got to do it. And he'd, he knew that he'd avoided writing this song because he was worried about losing his audience. He knew that most of the people who bought the records were in fact white. And he recorded this song and it's, it's incredibly powerful. I mean, uh, it's, the lyrics are simple, but it's, um, you know, it's a, it's amazing, and it also was a reflection of the fact that he he'd gone with his wife to stay in a hotel in Louisiana, and they'd booked it over the phone. And then when he turned up there, they said, "I'm sorry, we're full." And he said, "No, you're not." And they said, "We are, we are full." And eventually, the man said, "We're full for your type." Yeah, yeah. And he thought, you know, this is no good. Mm. And you know, reflect it reflects all those things. Reflects. Uh, I've had a dream and, you know, I have a dream and all those sort of amazing speeches are made at that time. I find it really disturbing that a song with that's so powerful and that once you've heard it, you have to say to yourself, yeah, a change is going to come. A change has got to come. We mm. must change. This is absurd that there is this in the world. And I'm yet this say, was recorded... Yeah. In you know 1965, 66, and it hasn't. It's 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 terrible, isn't it? And it's terrible. You know, you would think something like that would change the world. Yeah, 
I mean, I'd like to speak about it more, but mm. mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> maybe you, maybe you might yeah. a little bit later. Okay. Yeah, I just, yeah, Sam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll stop there because, uh, <laughs> yeah. But you summed up perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good. That's no, my choice. That's a great one. That's I mean, and that's that. You know, I mean, I have to say because I've got one left. So obviously, I've left out. I haven't got Otis Redding. I haven't got Marvin Gaye. You know, these are amazing. Amazing songs. Yeah. But you've got the scaffold right up there. (laughs) The scaffold's there, thank God. You betcha. Yeah, that's the number one. (laughs) Uh, Okay, then, Neil, you're number two. Glenn Campbell's Wichita Lines. I say one of the most perfect songs ever written. Um, What a voice. What a voice as well. What a voice. And what a story in the song. I mean, if you don't know this song, why not? is the Mm -hmm. first question you should everybody should be introduced to this song i think it's one of the most perfect songs ever written uh, genuinely yeah it would be their yeah all-time greatest i just i don't know what else to say about it it's just no perfection it's just perfection those lonely songs about americans going around doing Mm. uh, go traveling distance they're amazing you know sort of um king of the road and things like that you know yeah great songs but um, but this is you're right. This is the best. Mm. This is Glenn Campbell had the most beautiful, pure voice, didn't and it? and this is so soulful as well, though, isn't mm. it? Because he didn't come from that area. It's a great song. It's definitely on a list of things that I wrote down and, and thought, shall mm. I? Shan't I? I didn't. That, but you're, you're right. And even Tom Hiddleston, how he did this, how he played Glenn Campbell in the movie, didn't mm. he? I just it's phenomenal. And he gives it a go and sings it well, but not yeah. to this standard. No, I think it's a beautiful song. Yeah, it was very close. It was it was in my top sort of fifteen, and it just didn't mm-hmm. make didn't make. We've all cut, written it down, isn't it? Yeah. I've got it, I've yeah. Got it yeah. It's crazy. Yes. Great one, though, Neil. Well done. Okay, my number two was "Gimme Shelter" by the Rolling Stones. So before mm-hmm. we actually reveal our number ones, um, Michael, do you want to do a rundown from ten to two? Neil will do the same. Then I'll do the same. Okay, so number 10 was Sunny Afternoon by The Kinks. Number 9 was Unchained Melody by Righteous Brothers. At number 8 was God Only Knows by The Beach Boys. Number 7, White A Shade of Pale by Prokel Harum. Number 6, Space Oddity by David Bowie. Number 5, I'd Rather Go Blind by Etta James. Number 4 was Aretha Franklin singing Natural Woman. Number 3, America by Simon and Garfunkel. And number 2 was Sam Cooke, A Change Is Gonna Come. Wonderful, Neil. So at number 10, I had Summer in the City, The Loving Spoonful. At number nine, Crazy, Patsy Cline. Number eight, Brown Eyed Girl, Van Morrison. Number seven, Credence Clearwater Revival with Bad Moon Rising. Number six, Sound of Silence, Simon and Garfunkel. Number five, Give Me Shelter, Rolling Stones. Number four, Hey Jude, The Beatles. Number three, What a Wonderful World, Louis Armstrong. And number two, Wichita linesman, Blaine Campbell. Okay, thank you. Mine is number 10, San Francisco, Be Sure to Wear Flowers in Your Hair, Scott McKenzie. Nine, California Dream in The Mamas and the Papas. Eight, The Tracks of My Tears, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. Seven, I Want You Back, The Jackson Five. Six, The Boxer, Simon and Garfunkel. Five, Waterloo Sunset, The Kinks. Four, Wouldn't It Be Nice by The Beach Boys. Three, Baby Love by Diana Ross and the Supremes. And two, Gimme Shelter, The Rolling Stones. So, Michael, what is your number one song of the 60s? What a night we'd have 
we? We just sat and listened to all these. Well, I mean, yeah. The playlist. We may well do that. I've fantastic. got two cans of beer left. I'm going to stay online. <laughs> We're going to play them all. Yeah. But, uh, so I have gone for, uh, well, I've gone for the Beatles. Obviously, uh, I have chosen. She loves you. Oh, lovely! I know. I know. I have a particular reason. I love it. I love it because, again, it's one of those Beatles songs. It goes, she loves you, yeah. They go straight into the chorus, mm. which is incredibly brave. Nobody was doing that. In you come, this is the song, this is what it's about. It's also the first time they did that thing where they switched. They weren't writing about, I love you, you love me, love me, give me, kiss me. They weren't writing that. They were saying, you, my mate here, don't worry, mate, she still loves you. Mm. They were the go-between. That's an extraordinary thing. And um, and I think that it's of those early ones, particularly, it's the one that, that gets me more than any of the other ones. It gets me up and gets me dancing. Uh, it also has that fantastic rallentando at the end. You know you should. That bit. Yeah. Now, in the film A Hard Day's Night, my cousin Lynn was a member of the London Beatles fan club. And when they made that film, they filmed it in a theatre in London. And they invited the London's Beatles fan club to come for the concert. So she saw that concert. Not only that, they filmed the crowd and they filmed people screaming and shouting. And at that point, it goes, you know, you should. And it cuts to her face, enormous face. She puts the hands to the side of her face and goes, ha! Oh wow, that's your Be glad I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's my cousin Lee. Oh wow. That is and incredible. I remember going as a sort of um six year old to mm. five year old, I think we were taken to the cinema to see this film. Uh which is a great film. It's it really is a great funny. Film. Really funny. And uh and just we all yelled and screamed when her face came up at the end. That it was amazing. Incredible. You see that in the cinema, that's a 30-foot <laughs> screen. It was fabulous. Oh, that is so, yeah, awesome. she's in her, well, she's 70-odd now, but uh, you know, she was a beautiful girl. What and a claim it's to fame that is, though. Immortalised. Immortalised. her face. Mm. Yeah. That is incredible. And I, it? I mean, I haven't seen the film in age, but I can remember the girl doing that. So I can't, yeah, that's her, that's my cousin Lynn. I can't listen to that song without the anticipation of knowing that that bit's coming. And when I hear that bit at the end, the slow down before the end, before she's, you know, be glad, I just, just, I'm thrown right back. That is amazing. That is a fantastic story. Oh, Michael, you've not disappointed with your stories tonight, I'll tell you. (laughs) That is fantastic. Um, Go on then, Neil, beat that. (laughs) Well, you probably know what my number one is. It's um, a change is going to come, Sam Cooke. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, Michael summed up the story of that beautifully, but also to me, Sam Cooke, his voice, I, if we did a top 10 best singers, he'd be well up there because I Mm -hmm. think he's got the most perfect voice. And it's such a sad loss that we had here as well with the awful incident that happened wherever it was. Um, We lost, I I mean, I still could see him, well, maybe not now, but singing right through his life and career. Mm -hmm. I think he had a perfect voice. Elvis knew this because obviously when I went to Memphis, that's what they tell you is that the um, last record that he played before he died was Sam Cooke because he always admired Sam Cooke. 
he had everything going for him. He was such a good-looking man as well. Mm. He wrote great pop tunes or sang yeah. great pop tunes as well as then coming around and doing a hard-hitting song like this. But I think this is perfection, this song. Again, yeah. a bit like Wichita Linesman. I don't think I can never hear it and think, oh, I've got to skip that. Yeah, yeah. It sucks me. His voice is just mesmerizing. It's tragic, isn't it, when you hear those when you mm. hear those voices and think that they finished too early. And I think you're right. Absolutely. Listening to how beautiful his voice was, I think it would have lasted well into it. Well, yeah. I think he'd still be singing now almost in his 80s. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, it's such a sad waste. I'm, I'm mm. such a fan of Sam Cooke's voice. I yeah. really am. It's like there's um I, when I was going through things and thinking about stuff, I was looking at songs and and certain facts come up, and the um the whistling on sitting on the buck uh, sitting on the dock of a bay sitting on the buck mm. of a day. I don't think <laughs> so. Buck of a day. Yeah. Wants to sit on a buck of a day. No, <laughs> we sit on the dock of the bay. That bit the. Oh yeah. Which is just a, a marvelous moment in it. It's because he hadn't finished recording it. And what they use is an early take, and he was going to go back and record it once he'd written words for that bit. And And then he died. Wow. Mm. I was going to say happy accidents, but it's not a happy accident because he died. But that's that's the part of the song that everybody everybody knows, isn't it? You know? That's crazy. But you know what's worrying? When I speak to my son, who's 20, he'll be 22 in a couple of weeks... He knows Sam Cooke because obviously he's I've bled it to him all through his life. But a lot of his generation now don't have any idea who no. Sam Cooke is. And that's a worry. You know, yeah. they know the Beatles. They know people like that. They know the Michael Jacksons. But you mentioned mm. somebody like Sam Cooke. They've got no idea. And no. I think that's such a worry. They need to start educating these youth. But <laughs> youth. Quite, I think is what you're yes. saying. You just go, bloody kids. Or yeah. if you're a record executive, take note and just get somebody nowadays to do them all again. Yeah. Because yeah. they'll go, what a great song, what a brilliant singer. And you'll yeah. go, no, you <laughs> it's a re-record. And like you said, a change is going to come. It's so apt for today. Uh, it's that, apt for every you know, day, Neil. That's the trouble. Is you can it look needs back to in... be still sung. That's why. Yes. Yeah, yes, it really exactly. does. It really you know, does. The fact that we've gone through Black Lives Matter and all that again, you know, and you mm. say, still? Yeah. Still yeah. we're arguing this point? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy, crazy. Well, I mean, it's almost like someone should do would would do a, a remake of it. A change is never going to come. It's, it's, mm. If you want to be a cynic about <laughs> sadly, it, you know, it sadly, is, yeah. yeah, yeah, it must feel that way. It, it must feel that way. way. Yeah, yeah. I had, um, I've just had, I've had a number of guests on who who are black, and they've talked about their experience of, of life, and they still constantly are stopped by the police, searched. It doesn't matter yeah. who they are. It doesn't matter if they're famous or not. They happen to be driving around at 10 o'clock at night in a reasonably nice car. They know they're going to be pulled over. It's, it's so it's, sad. It's terrible. Yeah. So sad. And it's the, the thing is, if Sam Cooke came back today, he would probably weep for the fact that, that he wrote yeah. a song about that back in the 60s mm-hmm. and nothing has really changed. No. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. But there you go. Okay, uh, my well, number one. I had to have yeah. a Beatles song, so it is. It's it, then it's the uh, pick your choice of what you want, and um, I've gone for what is my favourite Beatles song, and it is "While My Guitar Gently Weeps." Lovely. Um, it's very strange that as much as Lennon and McCartney are people that I absolutely love as songwriters, my two favourite Beatles songs is this one and "Something," which right. are both written by George Harrison. So, yeah. and. 
I've loved this song even more, and I've said this before on this podcast, is if you ever get a chance, I'll put it in the video playlist, and you see Prince's um, so, uh, uh, mm. musical um, accompaniment with, I think it's, isn't it, it was, it's Jeff Lynne, Tom Was Letty. it pretty much the Travelling Wilburys? Pretty, pretty much. Pretty I think much. Um, pretty George much, Harrison's yes. son was there as well, and mm. he does, does the greatest um, guitar solo you will ever, ever see. Yeah, and it showed another one where he just went too young. I mean, I was in his fifties, yeah. I think. But um, it was it's just, cancer, and, wasn't it? Riddled him. He got was well, it he had cancer? Bad, he had, yeah, but he had uh, uh, something with his back, wasn't it? And he, it was the mm. medication for his back that that, that done Prince. But oh no, I not think, Prince. No, um, George Harrison. Oh, George Harrison. George Harrison. Yeah, 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 that yeah, was yeah, cancer, was, yeah. 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 Oh, well. And, and yes. Eric Clapton uh, famously playing guitar on this. Yeah, mm. um, and swapping. Girlfriends. <laughs> yeah, girlfriends and wives and there's stuff. actually i mean i watched the bbc documentary about that i could barely believe what i was, was seeing absolutely crazy Bizarre. but then mm-hmm. if it wasn't for that we'd never had wonderful tonight and uh, things like that no. as well well this is true we wouldn't have had those kind of songs but um yeah it's just a, <laughs> a fantastic fantastic song okay before we actually say our goodbyes let's go through some of these honorable mentions um at mm. jennifer La, now is it a la chap six or jennifer la chap six says sugar sugar LA. recorded by the arches written by andy kim and jeff barry uh, at an underscore hegarty yes that Ann hegarty from the chase the Ann hegarty yeah mm-hmm. uh harlem shuffle bob and earl uh lisa buchanan i was barely alive she said but i think my mum played these songs as my lullabies white a shade of pale by Progo harem crying by roy orbison uh mm-hmm. sunshine of your of crying of course your friend phil pope doing a fantastic version <laughs> yes. of that on only fools and horses <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> and still does to this day every now does and again he, we does do he, does he have the we do only fools and horses get togethers and he puts a silly wig on and a, a big Oh, he the does. red shirt, oh, does and can still sing it. Tries, tries a leg as well, or not? Yeah, he, he? No, 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 he doesn't. He doesn't need that anymore. <laughs> but he, he's, he's still got it. Oh, yeah. fair oh, play! Brilliant. Um, brilliant. Sunshine of your love by Cream. Fortunate yeah. Son by uh, Credence, Credence Clearwater Revival. Yeah. Eight mm. Miles High by the Birds. She's not there by the Zombies, and God only mm. knows by the Beach Boys. Mm. How can you not love the sixties? So transitional and almost decadent. A gateway to so many genres we have today. Absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, Can I do an honourable shout out? I would love to have put in, uh, simply because I fell in love with her in uh, Goodbye Mr Chips, a film with Peter O'Toole. Uh, I'd love to have put in Downtown by Petula Clark. Petula Clark, oh, indeed. Yeah. At Kevin SM 68027070 said, <laughs> My very tough choice. Catchy. So many wonderful songs in most decades, but for sentiment- sentimentality, Just Loving You by Anita Harris, one of my mum's ah. favourites, just a beautiful record. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, Vicky Paulson Do you know said, what? Do you oh, want a story? Go on. Yes, go on. Before we go. Go on. I, uh, Anita has been on my podcast, my time capsule. I, I, I sort of sought her out because uh, "Just Loving You" was my father's favourite song. Oh, really? He absolutely loved that song, and and I've sought her out as a guest for my time capsule. And I went to see her in in a friend's house, her friend of hers' house in London, and we sat there, and she was talking about "Just Loving You." And I said, "It's a, my father's favourite song," and I used to sing it. I he used to get me to sing it. We used to sing at old people's homes and blind clubs and sort of for old people really and he would stand up and it was one of the songs that i sang and she went oh sing it with me 
and we sang it together. Really? Um, and I have a recording of B and her singing it together. Oh, it my just, God. It was one of the highlights of my life, I have I to tell you. I can imagine. She's still got a fantastic voice. I was going to say, she's still with us, isn't she, Anita Harris? Yeah, yeah she is. I'm a, I'm a massive Carry On f- fan. So I think it's only Anita Harris and probably Jim Dale are the only ones that are really yeah. left now. Yeah. Wow. You keep There's hitting a... these stories out of the park, Michael. I, I have mean, had the most sake, write fantastic that time. Book, will you? For goodness I have sake. had a good time, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you have. Fantastic um, time. Uh, let's just run through the last ones of these. Vicky Polson says, OMG, just one. How about the twist by Chubby Checker? Mm-hmm. At old bloke Tipton said, you were on my mind. Christian St. Peter's? I don't, oh. I don't know. I don't know that one, do no? I don't know that one. We'll have to maybe have a quick look at that one. Uh, Nikki Dennis, there are far too many to pick just a favourite. Here's one. I wonder if anyone, if it made anyone's list. God only knows by the Beach Boys. <laughs> and Rick Tyndall said, just naming a few, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, Fortunate Son by uh, Credence Clearwater Revival, Good Vibrations, the Beach Boys, Heard It Through the Grapevine, Respect, Aretha Franklin, Stand By Me, Benny King, Georgia mm. On My Mind, Ray Charles. She's, and he's, he said, purposely left off the Beatles and Rolling Stones because that could have filled up more than 10 spots easily. Yeah. <laughs> no town in there. Thank you list. very much, everybody, for the uh, for the honourable mentions there. Um, Michael, you've mentioned it um, a couple of times. Your absolutely excellent podcast, uh, um, My Tiny Capsule. How many episodes are you in now? <laughs> we're well up there. We've done. Uh, uh, we're just about three hundred and forty. Wow! And Fantastic. that does include sort of Christmas specials and things and stuff. So yeah, quite a lot. Uh, mm. Yeah. I, I do it all the it? time. I, I do like doing it. That's the point. And then, and then, as you can probably see from this, I have no problem sitting on Zoom talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's been fascinating. That's the thing. It's been absolutely, it's always fascinating talking to you, Michael. It, it has. That's the thing is, I haven't, I haven't had chats. Now, I'm, I, I was looking at the podcast today. Mm. Was there one episode where your son interviewed you? It was Richard Herring interviewed me, interesting right. enough. But I have... Because my son produces it, and people kept saying, you know, you'd say to people, who who would you like us to get as a guest? And people kept saying, talk to your son, interview your son. So I did. And uh, it's very interesting. It's a simple idea that you, ba- you basically say to people, pick five things from your life that you wish you had in a time capsule. And uh, I did it with my son, and I discovered things about him that I didn't know. Oh, right. And we worked That's together all the time. You know, we lived together for a long time we lived close to each other we see him all the time and and yet there were things there that i went i didn't know that and and who's the guest that you would love to have like your bucket list guest um i'd i'd, I'd like to talk to rowan atkinson that'd be a good one mm. yeah. just because he doesn't do it no he doesn't do it and it would be interesting uh in a way you're not asking people to to relate the things that they've done that are sort of famous, really. Mm. You're asking people to do the things that they care about. So mm. it would be interesting to see what he chose. I think almost certainly five cars. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder whether one would be a Mini. <laughs> I, I think they'd nearly all be Aston Martins. I would I imagine so. I wonder. Because one of the things as well, anybody listening or anybody watching, um, Michael is very famously the guy that uh, that has a fight with Mr. Bean over a buffet yes and, uh, whether it's the sausages or the oysters <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's one right, of the funniest yeah. mr bean bits that i think I've, i can remember ever not for him of course because as you know with any filming you do it over and over and over again so in between all those takes rowan was 
spitting it all, all out into oh. a bin by the side of him, you know. Yeah, because he was, he was... Chicken leg after chicken leg. Yeah, double yeah. fisting those sausages and stuff, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. that's <laughs> probably not the right way, isn't it? <laughs> I'm sure that's how you describe it. No. <laughs> but we will put the link to uh, to Michael's podcast in the show notes, and please, please go and check it out, because it is just a fantastic podcast. It is so good. Um, before we actually say our goodbyes, Neil, do you want to tell everybody how they can get in touch and all that gubbins? Uh, of course I will. So come on, email us at top10pods at hotmail.com. You can ask us any questions and give us ideas for top tens. You can find us on all the social medias at Top Ten Pods. Give us a click, give us a like, give us a follow, whatever it is you do on those. Come and help support the podcast at, at patreon.com forward slash top ten pods. All sorts of rewards. Come and choose those. And thank you very much to everyone that has done that. Check out all the links via the link tree. you find the link in the show notes. And please do come leave a review rating wherever you get your podcast from. Wonderful. And obviously for our Patreon subscribers, there will be a video playlist, including Michael playing bass with Davy Jones <laughs> yes. on the Little and Large show. But even if you are not a fan of the 60s music or you don't know 60s music, put the video playlist on and just let it play and yeah. just enjoy all of the great music. And maybe it might spark you to go and listen to others as well. Because deep, deep dive, deep, deep dive. Deep We've dive. given you some great opportunities to listen to some fantastic music. Indeed. Now. Michael, it's been nearly two hours, but that is the fastest two hours I think I've ever seen <laughs> yeah. on a yeah. podcast. I want to thank you, genuinely thank you, for what has been um, as just a mesmerising and wonderful night so thank you so it's much it's been lovely being to talk to you i've really enjoyed it i enjoyed thinking about it as well actually so thank you mm. well come in, in the new year come and join us again for another one and we'll, we'll happy try to. and work out yes. something a little bit easier <laughs> <laughs> something slightly narrower yeah, yeah maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. we'll just pick a band and we'll go maybe for the top 10 beatles <laughs> songs oh, or we could go we could go 60s movies and that sort of thing something yeah. like yeah. that anyway maybe bring it a bit up to date for michael we don't want to have him well, yeah well, you know. whatever all right, Whatever. we'll go 1930s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my uh, era. Uh, yes. I'll be well involved in How I love you, how I love you, my dear old Swanee. Let's do Jolson songs. That'll do yeah, it. That'll yeah, do. that'll do. Oh, dear. So, again, Michael, thank you so much. Neil, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Pav. Thank you very much, Michael. Been so much fun. It really Lovely has to see you. It really has. Great. And thank you very much, everybody, for watching and listening. And let's go start the countdown. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.